Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi, this is Ugo Che, and this is the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, the show where we interview famous and not-so-famous photographers and discover what compels them to travel many hours and cross many borders to get the shots. Our guest for this week's episode is a visual storyteller recognized internationally for her street photography. She leads workshops worldwide, writes books, produces a weekly podcast, and is an official ex-photographer for Fujifilm USA. In addition to that, she's also a great friend of mine, and I consider myself lucky to have met her on numerous occasions. I also had the pleasure of being invited as a guest on her Hit the Streets podcast more than once, most notably just a few weeks ago on episode 184. Check that out. So it's only fair that I have her on this show today for what I believe is the third or fourth time. So please join me in welcoming Valérie Jardin. Bonjour. Bonjour, I hope my French was good. <laughs> yeah, actually, you said the name quite well. I hear quite it all well. different kind of ways. <laughs> Great, so happy to, to have you here today. Yes, um, likewise. Especially with all that's been happening recently, right, mm-hmm. in the last year or so. We haven't met in person for quite some time, unfortunately, and uh, only been chatting and calling uh, each other online. So uh, tell me and tell us, our listeners, what's new in the world of Valérie Jardin? Well, uh, things are finally starting to uh, to open up again. I'm, I'm located um, in the U.S., uh, but I teach mostly in Europe. So I'm actually excited to, uh, I have announced last week that the first workshop of 2021 will actually start. Uh, take place in in June and uh, and then uh, and then the workshops will go as planned through the fall. So it's been uh, it's been over a year and it's been quite sad and depressing to not be sharing my passion and my vision on the streets of the world. But finally, finally, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it's going to be so so sweet to. Uh, to to teach to teach on the streets again so i'm excited 2021 june it will be in, yeah. in the us right yes actually i'm starting just right here in minneapolis and uh it's uh you know most everyone uh well everyone will be vaccinated by then here for sure most of the participants who are already signed up and i think there have 8 out of 10 um, already signed up, and uh, I think only one is awaiting for a vaccine. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice to you know to feel to feel a little bit more back to normal. Although I think it's gonna be a while. You know, I think uh, it's gonna be strange to be in a in a, in a room with people. Like I was thinking of the the conference part of the uh, not the conference part, but the teaching part in in classroom part of the the workshop and uh and i'm still you know making sure there's a lot of distance and we can open windows because i think it's gonna even though we'll all be vaccinated i think it's gonna take a while to feel okay to be shoulder to shoulder to people so i'm really sensitive to that and wanting to make everybody real comfortable they're coming from different 
parts of the country. So it'll be, it will be a lot of fun. And then later you'll be coming to Europe when hopefully mm-hmm. we, we will be pretty much all vaccinated as well. I was hearing yes. that we have a kind of, most European countries or the European Union is promising that we will get to about 70 to 80 percent vaccinations before the end of the summer. We're really yes. hoping that's that's yeah. the case. That sounds really, really good. And I sure hope the predictions are, are, are going to go, you know, uh, are are accurate or as close to accurate as possible because I think we're all ready. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you will be coming to France, right? Um, actually, the UK oh. in uh, London uh, in mm. uh, August. That's uh, the August tw- uh, 2020 was postponed a full year exactly. So everybody's still on board. And a few people decided to just not not join. But um, most of the group from last year, because the, the workshop had filled up so quickly and everybody said, yeah, let's just do this next year, same same week. So, um, and then uh, and then France in September and October. Yeah. Great. So hopefully and then by maybe then, Italy be. next year. Yes, I'm coming back for sure next year. I can't wait. It's been a long time since I've been to Italy now, about three or four years since I last taught there, and I saw you there uh, each time I was in Rome. I think we we managed to hang out, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know I like to I like to go to different places, but. Um, but now it's like I'm just craving going back to Italy. And so I, I just can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. But you have not exactly been uh, sitting there on your hands and doing <laughs> nothing while you could not travel. I know you're, you have a lot of things going on, right? You have this, yeah. the podcast, Hit the Streets. Yes. And I believe you, you, you haven't never stopped doing it. I mean, personally, I've kind of stopped doing episodes for this podcast for most of 2020. And even though you started later than us, you caught up in, in terms of episodes because the last episode you published, if I'm not mistaken, is episode 184. And this week we published, we're going to publish 184 as well. So. Oh, see, that's, <laughs> and I'm on every other week now. I, I had, um, well, you know, I started eight years ago with um, Street Focus and I published over a hundred episodes with Street Focus. That was every Thursday, never missed a Thursday for several years. And then, uh, then I switched to hit the streets on my own, uh, under my own brand and uh yeah 180 some but the past year it's been every other week and it's it's been consistent i still never missed a thursday release but um it's a lot easier especially when i travel so this past year i wasn't traveling as much but you know people are used to every other week and i think there's so many podcasts out there i think every other week is good and it sure is a easier easier on me I think it's good. I mean, people always say that it's important to be consistent. So it doesn't matter whether it's yeah. every week, every day, every two weeks or so on. That's as right. long as you're, you're consistent, your audience will uh, come to expect. Exactly. An episode yeah. every so often. So yep. that's the thing. You you also been writing a few books. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you writing on a new book or do you yes. have something that just I, came out? Or? I always have I always have one or two books in the works. Uh, so yeah, last year I wrote one book for Rocky Nook Publishing, uh, which became a bestseller uh, on Amazon when it came out at Christmas or just before Christmas. Um, and it's selling really well. It's it's on it's in translation. Uh, I think it's coming out on the German in the German market uh, next month. It's it's done. Uh, I'm actually doing the French translation for this one. 
I didn't have time for the previous one. And this one, <laughs> I really want it to be my voice since it's my native language. So um, when it hits the French market, it will be my my trans my own translation into my native language because I write all my books in English, which is not my native language, but my audience is so international that it makes most sense. And I wrote three ebooks too, so I wrote four books uh, during the during the pandemic, and I'm working on a couple new ones. But I don't know when those will be out, and I may may write another book for a publisher. In Are the they all month. about street photography? Uh, or not all. Um, more uh, general. No, um, well, the, the the book that was released with Rocky Nook is Street Photography Assignments. Um, there are 75 assignments to push you to go out and hit the street. So uh, you can pick one and take your camera and head out and work on one specific exercise. So that one um, is just about street photography. Uh, the other ones, yeah, there were, I did one on just how to capture amazing silhouettes. That was an ebook one on motion, and then one that really surprised me, and it's actually, um, um, it, I taught a class on contemplative photography, you know, the art of seeing um, the extraordinary and the ordinary, and um, I taught an online class last year, and it was my most popular class, and actually I'm teaching it again at the end of April, live, and people just are craving that type of uh, that type of, of learning. And so I wrote an ebook, uh, an introduction to contemplative photography, and it's been really uh, really popular. So, um, and I'm going to start a series of a new series of workshops on um, to see on seeing with your heart, which is what contemplative photography is really about and so there'll be uh see paris with your heart see rome with your heart eventually you know it's different cities so mm -hmm. so i'm going to be teaching two completely separate types of of workshops there's going to be the street which is what i'm most known for but i feel like i have so much more to offer so i'm really excited about really teaching about the art of seeing photographically and and uh and and you know, travel photography outside the postcard, that type of thing. So it's going to be a, a, a different audience, but maybe actually the audiences do kind of cross over. And, um, and already a lot of people who've gone on my street photography uh, workshops want to go to the same places, but focus their intention on something different and see the city in a completely different new way. And I think that's exciting. So I am, that's the one really positive thing that came out of this pandemic to me uh being able be, having to stay closer to home and not traveling to all those exciting destinations every month i i saw the potential of being able to to be a visual storyteller even by working with you know things that are being lit through your your window in your living room and and uh, making beautiful imagery that way so um so i'm excited about this Cool. And you also do online classes and webinars. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, right? although I'm so, I'm so tired of teaching <laughs> online. <laughs> I did way too much of that. I think you can relate. Can you imagine. know, nothing nothing beats the, the interaction 
and face to face. And oh, that was, uh, you know, I think it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, it was so fun, so easy to teach online, reach so many more people. And I think I'm going to be doing more than that. And it's like, well, not me. <laughs> as soon as I can be out in the streets again, that's what I'm going to focus and uh, on doing because, yeah, a whole year of online teaching, it kind of, it wears you out because you don't, you know, you don't get the energy back from from yeah. the audience or from the students. It's just one way street, and it's tiring. Yeah, yeah, I find it. It's always a bit uh, tiring to not getting any visual feedback from mm -hmm. the audience. Right? We, we we teach in front of a room of people, and we we get cues from their body language, from from their looks, and so on, uh, how they are reacting. Yeah. And, Sometimes they fall asleep. It's maybe a signal that you should liven up your, liven yeah, up your, right. your presentation yeah. a little bit. But yeah, you get some kind of visual feedback. And with online, it's really difficult to get. And, and, uh, yeah. and the energy too. I mean, you feel the energy. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's 10 people or a thousand. Um, there is energy coming back. It's like, it's like teaching, you know, teachers who've been teaching kids and online are feeling the same way. They're more tired now. I was just talking to someone about that recently. That they are more tired because there, there, there isn't that energy. That that's why they became teachers for. You know, they want to feel that that uh, the energy in their classroom and and the excitement. You don't get that online at all. No. Yeah. True. So. Yeah. So anyway, people can find everything. <laughs> That yeah, you do on workshops and uh, books and uh, webinars and so on at your website. And since we're talking about that, maybe you want to mention your, your website? Yep, it's uh, Valérie Jardin or ValerieJardinPhotography.com. Uh, either one will bring you to the same place. And that's B-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N. Great. So let's now get into the, the meat of our conversation. Okay. And I was, uh, when I was thinking about what to, to talk about with you, I just had happened to read this uh, article by our common friend, Levi Seam, mm -hmm. who was writing on photo, on photo Focus, um, an article whose title definitely controversial. And I, I said, let's hear what Valerie has to, <laughs> to say about that, because the title of the article is Taking Street Photography Should Be Illegal, which is very extreme. And I found that, yeah, Levi seems to be a bit uh, uncertain of what is. That's the title, but he's not so sure about the fact that street photography should actually be illegal. But he was linking to, to another article that I think prompted his own. And it was published in October, back in October, on the uh, New York Daily News website by uh, an author called Gene Son. And it's the title of the article is when your photograph when your photograph harms me. New York should look to curb unconsensual photography of women, which again very strong position to mm -hmm. to take. And she, she in the article, I mean, we will put a link in the show notes uh, for for people to read on their own. But in the article, she uh, re refers a couple of episodes that that she had were. People were taking photographs of her, either uh, without trying not to be noticed or very openly, and she confronted them mm -hmm. and asked the photograph be deleted. And in some cases, she also called 9-11. Uh, 
And the police came to the scene and asked the photographer to delete those photos and so on. But in, in the end, she writes, New York can't be a safe place for girls and women when any man can point a camera at us and walk away with our faces and our bodies in his files. We should set an example for the country and protect women against all non-consensual, exploitative photography and videography. Which is really a strong position to take. And I know I think we probably discussed this uh, in in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but and we have our ideas typically that uh, it's normally okay, depending on the legislation of a given country. But in countries like the U.S. in New York. It's not forbidden to take photos of people in the public because there is no real expectation of privacy. But we both agree that everything we do should be respectful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? But yeah, please go go ahead if you want. No, to. I'm just I I just find that uh, we're in an we're in a time of extreme. Uh, everybody has. Uh, has extreme ideas about this and that. This is like, can't we find like a happy metal anywhere, you know, ever <laughs> anymore? No, it's always super extreme. And and I find like, I mean, banning uh, street photography uh, is, again, you know, the, even the thought of it is such an extreme measure. Uh, it's really about educating uh, educating people, like for everything else, really. It's about education. And uh, there's so many ways to to do this beautiful genre of photography without ever getting into trouble or or making anyone feel uncomfortable. So it's really about how how you how you do it. And and I mean, I've been teaching this for um, ten years on the streets in many countries with people coming from all over the world to to learn in in a you know, they're not in their environment. You know, people come to Paris, they come from Australia or from from India, you know, to learn with me. So they come from different cultures and and the same the same respect applies for every for every every culture everywhere in the world. And if you if you're respectful, you'll never get in trouble and no one will ever feel upset that they, they were photographed. So um I mean, banning this just because of a few bad apples, and there are a lot. Well, there are a lot of bad apples. There are a lot of street photographers who are extremely disrespectful, and if they shove their camera in my face the way they do or the way I see them do on uh, on on videos sometimes that are released on YouTube, yeah, I would punch them. But uh, I I just don't do to others what you don't want done to yourself. It's just it's as simple as that. Yes, I was always thought that it was as simple as that. Personally, I try to behave myself, and uh, considering that I would never want to treat others the way I didn't want to be treated personally, mm-hmm. right? So anything that to me would appear to be uh, annoying or harassing in any way, I wouldn't want to do it to others, of course. But then I realized that. St- still that is missing something because I can put myself, try to put myself in the shoes of somebody else. But the reality of the fact is that I'm a male. Mm-hmm. I'm not part of any uh, unpre- disadvantaged community or 
group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my perspective is that I would never feel threatened when, if somebody would point their camera at me and take a photo of me. But this article got me thinking that if you're coming from the perspective of a female, things might be different. So... Yeah, possibly, but I don't, you know, and I didn't, I I didn't read that, um, the article that was referenced in the original article by Levi, but um, I don't think this, it's only, I I think this person would have just the same problem being photographed by a woman. It doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like that made a difference, that would make a difference. I don't know. I think her, she's pretty set in her, in her mind that street photography should not be allowed uh whether it's women photographing women or men photographing women or vice versa see i don't i don't even think of that when i photograph i don't even think of gender or color i just see a beautiful moment and i capture it um i i i I don't overthink it you know i i definitely shoot with my heart and if the light is right if the moment is beautiful if the gesture is beautiful i'm just going to record it uh, respectfully, sometimes I'm invisible, sometimes I'm not, but I'm not going to hide and, and try to, um, I, I try to hide from what I'm doing. What I'm doing is important. And, and I think it's also, it, it really is about how it's done. So, and, and, and then there are always going to be people who are going to, going to be upset or going to say, oh, I don't want to be photographed. And that's okay. Just move on. Just don't photograph them. And then they ask you to delete the pictures. Just delete it. You know, appease the situation. The problem is often photographers say, no, I have all the rights and you're in a public area and I have the right to keep the picture. Well, even so, uh, even if you're in your legal rights, doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And I think there is a too much of that too many i think actually there are way too many too many street photographers on the streets of new york because at any given quarter you see you see five of them Mm -hmm. so that's another problem yeah uh, i think she does have uh, an issue with um, the gender difference because what she writes is that in new york can't be a safe place for girls and women when any man can point the camera at us so that's pretty... Okay, yeah, so she's pretty, pretty... So, Yeah, and I can see that. I mean, it all depends on her experience. She may have had, a, you know, a couple of really uh, uncomfortable experiences. And uh, and I, I, I can, you know, I put myself in her shoes. If, again, if somebody was going to shove a, a camera in my face um, and startle me with it uh, just to get really close and get uh, get a close-up, I, I would react pretty strongly. So um, although I am a street photographer, I that is the way you do it reflects on your personality. And that's just absolutely not the way I would approach anyone, anyone on the street. So, um, yeah. I, so I can see her point um, because she's probably experienced it a few times. Um, in a quite unpleasant way. So then I kind of agree. I mean, would I call 911 to report a street photographer in a public area who who's taking my pictures? I mean, I think that's going way too far because obviously they're not doing anything illegal. So that's... that's Yeah, the fact that it's... Um, that as she writes, it's not illegal. And I always thought that it was not illegal in 
especially in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But she refers to those two episodes when she said, she says, I immediately called 9-11. Mm -hmm. Police officer made him destroy one of his roles. This was back when she was yeah. people were shooting film. Uh, and in another circumstance, she says, um, as he tried to get away, I grabbed him and called 9-11. <laughs> Four business improvement district workers approached us and began commiserating with him as I, the victim, stood gripping my perp by his bag. Wow. One said I was making a scene while another joked that maybe he just liked the pictures, which is definitely not appropriate. But no. then she writes, the cop who arrived 40 minutes later discovered that my assaulter had, assaulter, <laughs> had yeah, taken dozens strong. of full body burst shots of me, which he was told to delete. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I wanted, I was wondering is, I mean, if it's not illegal and you can actually take photos of people in public place, what rights do the police have to ask you to delete they the can't, photos? The police in the U.S. cannot ask you to delete a picture. Yeah. Uh -uh. So, I mean, they, but I don't think the police knows that every time either, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't, but they're, yeah, they don't have the right to, to ask you to delete a picture. But as a photographer, to appease a situation, whether you're in your rights or not, just delete the darn picture yeah. because what satisfaction are you going to have to have that picture if it was such a bad experience to start with, uh, with this, the subject? You know, if the experience is that painful for the subject, why would you want to keep that picture? So, yeah, delete, delete, delete. I mean, there's, uh, I doubt that was the, the photo of the century to start with. So, um, yeah, I, it, it, the, the thing, the, the most important thing is try to appease the situation um, but sometimes just even explaining what you're doing may help. Um, I'm not sure, you know, the circumstances here, but uh, just, again, often people don't know what street photography is. You know, people are more afraid of paparazzi than they are of street photographers. And, um, and if you explain to someone, I mean, the light was just beautiful and and there was beautiful rim light in your hair as you walked by or whatever it is, and then you show it to them on the back of the camera, people are really interested at that point. They say, oh, yeah, that's really cool. I love this. You know, that's happened to me. And uh, man, that's when I'm more than happy to give them my card and say, hey, I'll send it to you. I'll send a high res. And just uh, always try to appease the situation. Unfortunately, and I've seen it done many times. People will say, hey, I'm in my rights. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's just the wrong, wrong attitude. That's way conf too confrontational. If somebody co is confrontational towards you as a photographer and you know you're in your right, it's not the time to be confrontational back. And so that's the wrong approach. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what she writes about one of those episodes when the photographer yeah. there said, this is a free country. Which oh is God! The yeah, no, you don't that start. Yeah. Way too many yeah. people give. I mean, yeah. Just because something is free doesn't mean it's the I right thing it. to do. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and 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 you have to really be um, like children. For example, you really have to be cautious when you photograph children um, on on the streets. Even even more cautious. I mean. We're parents ourselves, so we we know how uncomfortable it is if somebody is looking at your young child in a in a you know in a way that we find a little creepy, or or they're pointing a camera at them. So really, 
be cautious when you photograph children. And there are many ways to photograph children where you won't reveal their face. That can be beautiful too. So um, there are so many ways to do street photography and do it well without revealing the identity of the subject mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wrote the book about that. Was, and, yeah. and really for a lot of for a lot of street photographers, this is uh, this may be a good time to look at, at different options, and um, so that they they don't run into that type of situations. I mean, nothing is going to beat photographing a beautiful emotion in a in a stranger's face, and if done well, um, I think that you know there's nothing that's going to beat the satisfaction of capturing that, I think, as a street photographer. But there's so many ways you can do this without revealing the facial, uh, the, the, the face of the subject that, um, that would then, and then the mm. subject would have nothing to say. <laughs> you know, so then you're, mm. you're home free. But there's certainly a trend towards, um, I wouldn't say criminalizing, but uh, making it mm -hmm. more difficult to be street photographers. Right. In, yeah. At least in some countries in the world. I know that I, places like France yeah. or Germany have passed pretty restrictive laws in terms of what you can actually do. So we, yeah, but even then, you know, if it's done well, and I've had this discussion with uh, French photographers and even uh, French lawyers, you know, about that and their, their, their le droit à l'image, it's such a great thing, but... Um, the subject would still have to prove that damage was done mm -hmm. to them. So as long as you're respectful and you photograph just beauty of everyday life, yeah, it's not a time to photograph, you know, people in vulnerable situation without without their consent. Of course not. You're not gonna people who photograph homeless people on park benches. Um, they're vulnerable. That is that that should not be done. Um, unless you, you know, you have a, you talk to them, you have a conversation and, and they agree to be photographed and you're, you're doing this to raise awareness, for example, but just because they're there, that's, that's very disrespectful or people in situations of ridicule is also, um, mm. uh, you know, that, that should be in the do not do list on the streets anywhere, not just in, in France, but if you, so if you do it right, you're not going to get into trouble anywhere. That's the thing. So, uh, it's really about trying to educate photographers to do it right. Yeah. Education is important. I'm a bit afraid that it's kind of a, a lost battle in a world <laughs> where we cannot even educate people, I don't know, to wear a mask at the supermarket yeah, or vaccinate themselves, which is perfectly safe. What, what hope can we have to I actually know. educate the mass of photographers or people with a camera? I would not even call them photographers out there. I know you do, yeah. you do workshop, you write books, you, you do webinars, uh, but you can only yeah. reach so many people. It's... Probably yeah, but you know, little by little, you mm -hmm. know, it's the, it's, you, I think you have to look at, uh, it's just like the environment, you know, it, you can't just try to change everyone, uh, but you can do your part little by little. And, and, uh, you know, and, and if you look at it at a smaller scale, you can actually have a big impact. If you look at the big picture, it seems pretty hopeless, but if you look at a, at a scale that you can manage, so that's why I do my part. And I know at least, you know, photographers that come on my workshop, they're, they're usually come out of that, you know, with a pretty good grasp of what they should and shouldn't do. 
And I feel like I do my part. So little by little, it still mm -hmm. works. Yeah. As the ancients used to say, the little drops can dig a hole in a rock. So That's little right. By little. <laughs> Absolutely. My Latin so. teachers would say, Gutta cavat lapidem, which means that the drop excavates the rock. That's right. Anyway, yeah. do you... What differences do you see between different cultures and countries in, in this respect, in, in terms of uh, being accepting of being photographed on the street? My, my experience, for example, is that Europe is kind of a mixed bag depending on the country. Mm -hmm. Most of Asia, people will just throw themselves in front of your camera and wave a peace sign. Whereas <laughs> if I go to Morocco, it's yeah. completely different, the opposite. What's your, mm -hmm. uh, did you see any changes in this? Uh, well, I I can't I haven't been to I haven't photographed street photography in Asian countries, so I, I, I don't have an experience there to, to talk about. It's mostly Europe, North America, and I photographed in Australia. So um there is there is a difference, but I don't approach it any differently. So um I find that um so that's the thing. I, I I use the same approach wherever I am. So um I treat people the same the same way. So um although the it's yes, it's easier in some countries than another, but since my approach is exactly the same everywhere I go, I don't really mm -hmm. find any differences. Really, people are people and they deserve respect. And that's pretty much my that's how I do everything. So, um, I, and again, in France, I've never had any problem. Uh, people are often, are often, uh, thrilled, uh, to, if they notice that I photograph them and then we have a conversation after and I, I'm able to share the, the photograph with them, they're, they're thrilled. And it's happened, you know, I photograph on the beach a lot when I'm in Normandy, and uh, I've even, last summer, actually, I was uh, on the beach photographing, and there was this this um, young uh, young girl, I'm thinking she was probably 14 or 15, and she, she had a kite, and I photographed her as I was um, getting closer and closer, I got, grabbed the shot, and then I, I walked away, I said... Um, I, I just, I walked by and I probably said something about, wow, it's a windy day or something, you know, um, mm. she saw that I photographed her. I didn't try to hide when you can't hide, just don't try to hide. That looks even more sneaky. So just be open. And, um, and then as I was walking away, all of a sudden I hear the mother was running behind me and I thought, oh, well, I wonder if she had a problem with me photographing her daughter, you know, and I was totally prepared to, to tell her what I did. First of all, it was very minimalist, you know, you mm -hmm. really, it wasn't like I was in her face. It was very minimalist. It was a really beautiful photograph. And actually, no, she was, she ran after me. She said, oh, I would love to see the, this, these pictures. Uh, um, I, she had, she was looking and she likes photography. She was looking at her daughter uh, in action. And then she saw from my point of view, the, she imagined that the photo would, would look really nice. And so... And I showed it to her on the back of the camera right away and, and uh, gave her my card. And that, that night I sent her the high res and she was thrilled. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think people are much more open about it than we give them credit for. And, 
again, it's about doing it. And, and if you're confident with what you do, like I know that my street photography is, um, is important. Mm-hmm. I find it important. This is, this is reco- recording a, a time in history. And um, and that's why I want it to be done well and respectfully, so that maybe in fifty years people will look at those pictures and learn something. Oh, the people were doing this, or there's that, and look at the fashion of the time and this and that. I think just like we enjoy looking at photographs from fifty years ago or even older. So I think it's important to do it and to do it right. So, um, but people are usually quite friendly and open, and uh, it really is a lot a reflection of you as a person, how people are going to respond to. Yeah, you said something really important, I believe, there in the fact that uh, this type of photography is important to document life in the streets, how people behave, what people do in a natural way that will be important 50 years from now, 100 years from now. And if, if everything that our descendants will have to, about us, about our way of living and so on, would be, I don't know, Instagram streams by influencers. They would get a very distorted picture of our life. Exactly. So yeah. Removing or s- selfies. Yeah, or selfies, right. So mm-hmm. re- removing this uh, unfiltered, kind of unfiltered, I don't want, I mean, if we start talking about what is, True photography and unfiltered, we would never end, but let's say as close to unfiltered and uh, realistic as possible, that as imaginable kind of photography that we have, if we take that away, we're going to do a disservice to our grandchildren. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, and, and I think photographers, and that's why it's so important to do it well and do it, do it respectfully so we can continue to carry this tra- tradition, which is such a beautiful, beautiful thing, really. I mean, not only it's, it's so challenging, but it's so rewarding and, and, and it's so important. So yeah, I, I, I stick with it. That's why no matter where I am, I don't, you know, no matter how strict or not the privacy laws are, I apply the same, the same, the same respect and technique and, uh, and continue cap, you know, documenting the beauty of everyday life. That's really all I'm interested in is the beauty of everyday life. Sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's happy. But it's um, it's it's completely candid, and uh, and it's not. I'm not looking for moments of crisis. That's I'm not a photojournalist, so I'm. It's just everyday life. I think this in these years, the, the importance of consensus has become more and more prominent. Right, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's difficult when we want to do candid street photography to ask for consensus. Of course, we don't go around with a model release to have a signed consensus or anything like that. And I wouldn't sign one if somebody asked me either. So, <laughs> Yeah, I would say, no, you, I, you can take my photo, yeah. you can do it, but I'm not going to sign anything. But um, <laughs> sometimes, we, I guess the conclusion here is that we, we need to somehow imply consensus. I mean, if our motivation is uh, good and yeah. there is no harm done in what we mm-hmm. do, then we can somehow imply consensus also based on a general societal perception. 
of yeah. what is harmful or not, right? Absolutely, you know, absolutely. I think uh, it's it's all common sense, anyways. So, um, and uh, and, I, and yes, I, just, I would just yeah, sorry. No, that's that's. Uh, go ahead. I was saying, if in doubt, uh, and you cannot ask, you don't want to ask. Don't don't do it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's right. When in doubt, you know, uh, just uh, just move on. If uh, it's it's happened, it happens to me all the time. I see a, a moment, and sometimes just seeing the moment, you don't have to photograph everything. You know, that's the thing. I think the true um, documentary photographers are the ones who are no matter whether they capture it and you know or not are going to be happy. Uh, observing and and you know that we we see so many moments that we wish we could photograph but it's just the situation is or we were not fast enough or you know things happen so quickly but just the fact that we saw it it's more than most other people and just seeing makes me so happy uh capturing a beautiful light a beautiful moment that I know there's no way I would have been able to capture it because I'm not close enough or I'm not from the I'm not in the, you know shooting from the right angle or whatever but just seeing it that makes my day so I'm happy with that even right I think I think the street photographer should be it's more about the act it's more about being on the streets than it is about the resulting photograph mm -hmm. anyways um and if that in itself doesn't fulfill you and you doesn't make you happy, then you're going to be pretty miserable because you're not going to capture a great photograph every time you go out. So, um, yeah. So hopefully we don't need any more interventions from the <laughs> law and order community. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think they have other, they have a yeah, lot more important things to deal with. <laughs> all, all right. Uh, this was awesome. I mean, really wanted to get your uh, insights on this kind of controversial topic that pops up again and again in various yeah, fashions. Yeah, it always uh, will. Does, so. yeah. and, but not everybody has had the time to reflect about it, and I, I get lots of questions about those and, topics. And, and it, Yeah, I, you know, we get, there's always going to be controversy about everything. You know, it's just like um, nature, wildlife photographers, you know, how often do they actually um, bait <laughs> you know the animals to get the great great picture nobody talks about that well that's you know that doesn't sound right either you know so there's always a controversy about something so uh do your thing do you do do the way you feel is right and uh be happy with it okay mm -hmm. that's a good way to put it i guess <laughs> so thank you for for your time today um anything thank else you you'd like to, to add before we wrap this up no, I'm just uh, just everybody hit the streets and uh, do it do it well do it uh, do it respectfully and enjoy every minute of this beautiful life that we were so privileged to to witness with our with our cameras. Okay, so we'll put all the links to the articles we mentioned and the links to Valerie's website on the uh, show notes for this episode that you will able to find at our website ttam.photo and this is all for this week see you all next week bye